Welcome to the Wanting to Wealthy podcast, where we approach financial education in unconventional ways. My name is Ashley Hogan, and if you are looking for a different path to reach your financial goals, you are in the right place. Let's get started. Before we get started, I am so excited to let you know that there are some new changes coming to the Wanting to Wealthy Patreon page. There will now be just two tiers. The $1 searcher level will give you first access to sign up for courses and discounts on all classes, courses, and materials. The $5 Voyager level is for those of you who are ready to build a community around your personal finances. As well as being eligible for promo codes and early access to all Wanting to Wealthy programs, Voyagers get exclusive voting power on podcast content and access to the private community. The private community is all about knowing you're not alone in your personal finance journey. Included in the private community is the ability to ask questions, get free printables, live events to work on your finances with others, and moral support. Thank you so much for your patience while I healed from uh, COVID at the end of 2021 and uh, the break that I took in January. Um, I'm so looking forward to this year's topics uh, for the podcast and some changes that are coming along for both um, the podcast and Patreon and the Wanting to Wealthy community at large. Thank you for being part of uh, this journey. And um, with that, this month, I am talking about um, the housing industry, uh, specifically renting versus buying over the course of the next few months. My goal is to talk about um, housing, uh, renting versus buying, generational shifts, roommates, um, and other topics as they come up to really just dive deep into um, what we typically spend a majority of our finances on um, month to month uh, living in the United States. Um, I have a lot of statistics that we'll go over. And then I want to go over a few lists on really deciding whether you want to be a renter or a homeowner um, and maybe some pros and cons that go along with that, as well as giving you access to a small presentation that I put together, um, really talking about making that choice um, because I really do think it's a choice over the years and generations, especially post-World War II, um, there's been a lot of talk that to have the American dream, you need to have that two-story uh, white picket fence house on the outside skirts of town and um, your two and a half kids, one mom, one dad. And I really, I've talked about it before that that's really not a um, practical option for everybody, nor is it an option that everybody wants. And I'm one of those people. I don't want to live in a two-story house on the outskirts of town. And if you do, 
that is completely up to you. And I love that because that gives you access to those homes. Well, I want to be out on a farm. Someone else might want to be in a tiny home, either stationary or being able to move it. Someone else might not want to deal with it and they might just want to rent. And that's okay too. Um, other things that can change when and how we um, live in our homes is our job and um, where we live in general and things like that. So I'm going to go through some statistics about renting versus home buying and some generational statistics, which I'll get more into next month. Um, and then we'll go over some pros and cons. So let's get started. The Show notes will have the um, links to where I found these statistics from. I couldn't find really um, explicit statistics since COVID started for uh, renters specifically. So this report is actually from 2019 going into 2020. Um, and I could literally talk hours just about all the different statistics um, between generations and um uh, races, uh, our education level, our financial levels, uh, so on and so forth that change, um, the way we get to either purchase or rent our homes. Um, so this is just a very small synopsis of some of the, the, statistics that I found um, intriguing. Uh, for example, 34.5% of U.S. households rent their homes. Um, the average rental home, which I found interesting, uh, is only 2.35 people in that home. To me, that's interesting, um, mostly because I think of either a bunch of college kids living together. I got really lucky when I was in college and I only, um, I was in Eastern Oregon uh, and I was paying $465 a month for a two bedroom duplex. So I didn't have to live in the dorms. I didn't have to live with a roommate. Um, now I know that in one town over from me in Corvallis, um, average is $600 per room. Um, and so if you've got a four bedroom house, you're looking at having three other people to live with, generally speaking, just to keep your costs down. So my brain really had it set that there was going to be more people in rentals um, per house, but uh, that was an interesting statistic. The average uh, renting the average size of a rental house has declined um, 5.2%. So these houses are getting smaller. Um, so you're not looking at a five or six bedroom house with, with five or six college students in it. You now might be looking at a one or two bedroom house with a small family in it. Um, 100.9 million people live in rental housing in the United States. These are all stats for the United States, um, which is a decline of 7.4% year over year. Um, and 5.5% of the renters have lived in their home for more than 20 years. Um, I'd love to be able to dig into that and find out if these people are staying in their homes because they want to be in their homes or if there's some sort of financial factor that is, that is, um, 
stopping them from doing something different. Um, I do know several people who have been in their homes long-term um, where their rent hasn't been increased. And that's part of their reason is that because the rent has increased so much over the years, um, staying in one place means that that particular landlord isn't raising their rent. Um, and so they can afford to live there. But if you are a person who's been in your rental home for uh, for a long time, um, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, DM me on Instagram at one hang to wealthy and let me know why you've chosen or why you felt you needed to stay in your home for that long. Um, so I can learn more about that. Uh, next statistics, 34.4% of renters uh, are under the age of 35. Uh, which really doesn't surprise me. 16.5% uh, are over the age 65. Again, that, that really doesn't surprise me in the idea that um, as you get older, you may not want to maintain a yard and stuff anymore, um, or you want to live in a community of some sort. So uh, that really doesn't surprise me. Uh, 61, excuse me, 64.1% of renters are white uh, or Latino. Um, that did surprise me because I, I know that, um, so the rest of the statistics I have on kind of, uh, the demographics, 51.8% of renters are Caucasian, uh, 20.3% are black or, um, African-American and 19.7% are Hispanic or Latino. Um, and what I was noticing is I know that, that there is a stigma of understanding that if you're not white, that home purchasing is just might not be in the realm of possibility for you. Um, and I really like to, um, lend resources for people who, uh, who feel that to be able to talk to realtors and, um, mortgage lenders that want you to own a home, regardless of the color of your skin, and that you are just as eligible as the Caucasian members of the country to own a home. Um, so, and in fact, I got to talk to a student, um, last year who is decently well-educated and has a great financial background, but because she was, um, biracial, she had been taught that it was just not something that was in her realm of possibility to own a home. And, um, I felt privileged that I got to be the person that told her that she, she can, she can rent, uh, own a home and she can look into that. And, and then it's not outside of, of her abilities just because of the color of her skin. Um, and I know we could do an entire episode just on the housing differences based on our skin tone, um, which I, I really hope that we can work to change that. Um, so moving on to some of the costs of renting, um, the average renter spends 30 0.99% of their income on rent. Um, and the median household income among renters is 42,000. Um, 
41.61% of renters have an annual income of below 35 and 165 have an annual income of above 75. And I have noticed that um, if that people who, who make less money, and I'm totally in the same boat, when I didn't make a lot of money, um, I just didn't think that it was possible for me to uh, own a home. Um, because most people say the average that you should be spending on your total uh, household income is about 30%. If your household income isn't very much, 30% doesn't go very far. Um, for example, let's take that 40, uh, the $42,000 average um, household income. If you take that divided by 12 and then take only 35% of that, that's only $1,225 a month that you can spend on your, um, on your housing. And right now, at least in my area, that's not going to get you a lot of house. Um, so you, you have to make that decision of, what you can afford to do or if you can afford to do it. Um, I'm going to move on towards owning a home and some of the statistics. This one, um, going back to my to my student that I was talking about, this one doesn't surprise me, um, even though I want to see this change. And I love the people in the housing community that are working to change it. White people on average are 50% more likely to own homes than people of other races. To me, that, that has to change. Regardless of someone's skin color, they should be able to own home. Um, real estate prices have risen as much as 73% since 2000. And of course, that deals with the big recession in 2008. If you really don't understand how that happened, watch the movie The Big Short. It gives you a um, good synopsis of what happened. Um, plus, there's some pretty good actors in it. Uh, and then also, if you want another resource for kind of learning, what, what's happening is the real estate market is increasing because of the demand for housing is going up. But as we all know, the minimum wage hasn't changed and things like that. So we're trying to purchase the same amount of house with an inflated price while having less buying power because our incomes are not increasing with that um, increase in real estate prices. So if you want to have another quick thing to listen to, there's a TED Talk by Zach Griffin uh, called the um, freedom from the housing trap. And he has some really good statistics. It was done in, I think, like 2016. But some of the statistics since 2008, even to now in 2021, haven't changed um, or haven't changed enough for it to not be relevant. Uh, so um, the big short and freedom from the housing trap. And I'll put both of those links in the show notes. Um, the national housing, the national rate of home ownership in the U.S. is 64.8%. And remember, more than 50% of those are, are white people. Um, and then first-time home buyers only make up 33% of all 
um, home buyers. So not a huge amount. So these are people that are either, if it says 30, 33% are first time home buyers, that means that only 33% of all homes purchased were by people who have never owned a home before. The rest of them have been purchased by somebody who's likely either buying a second home or um, selling their home and buying a new home um, to either upgrade or downgrade. Um, I shouldn't say downgrade, uh, upgrade or downsize. Um, so here's some generational stats that go along with this. So 43% of millennial households are homeowners. That one I was surprised by because we um, have kind of been led to believe that I'm, I'm in the elder millennial um, bracket that millennials aren't purchasing homes. However, um, the, this might be below other generations, but this is still really growing fast as the millennials get well into their thirties, uh, in purchasing homes. The home ownership for millennials has also increased, uh, even through the great recession. Um, and, the home, home ownership in general has been on decline for the last three generations, which I really didn't know. So that's the baby boomers, the Gen Xers, the Gen, uh, the millennials and the Gen Zers uh, are the four current generations um, that are in that home buying age. Uh, and I didn't realize that even after the even after World War II, the, the baby boomers bought fewer homes than the generation before them. Um, and so millennials are actually looking to potentially be the first one to the first generation to actually buy more homes than the previous generation, um, which is interesting. Um, and, and then one more is, uh, again, this is related specifically to millennials, but their homeowner rate is catching up to that of the Gen Xers, which I said, several social economic factors, including income, education, and race are contributing to the decline of home ownerships. Um, specifically for millennials, lower home ownership rates are concentrated among uh, African-Americans and those without uh, a college education uh, and those with high incomes. I don't know if those with high incomes are people that are uh, moving a lot. That's something that I experience, and therefore I um, I didn't buy a home until into my 30s because I was moving for for work. Um, but so those are a bunch of statistics. They are all in the show notes. Um, but I wanted to just give you some various factors to to think about. Um, and now we'll go into some pros and cons of renting versus buying uh, a home. And what might work best for you is completely a you choice, you and your family. Um, and do not feel pressured into doing one thing or another based upon your education, your uh, skin tone, uh, your generation, or anything else. Um, if you feel confident in the choice that you're making, uh, find 
a realtor and a mortgage lender who are willing to help you make that happen to the best of their ability. If they are not willing to support you, find a different one. A great, great resource um, for finding both great um, realtors and mortgage brokers is uh, the website, themobnation.com slash directory. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. You can literally look up hundreds of, of female and specifically mom-owned businesses uh, in the United States that are um, here to do what is best for you and your family. Um, um, so let's go through some pros and cons for renting versus buying a home. Uh, and then we'll look at, um, why you might choose to rent versus why you would choose to buy and some things to consider when choosing to purchase a home. Okay. So renting pros and cons. So pros of renting is you're not responsible for those operating expenses, um, and there are generally contracts involved with your, uh, landlord to put in place whether or not to put in place, um, how those operating expenses are taken care of specifically, um, maintenance and, and repairs as they come up. Um, there's limited financial obligation. You're not, you're not in it for, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars. Um, it's relatively easy to move depending on as long as you're not in a long-term lease. And even if you are, you can break the lease, but there's going to be some cash consequences um, involved with that. There's more liquidity because again, you're not tied up in that two hundred thousand or more dollars in the mortgage. Um, and you can use renting to repair or establish credit. So if you're looking to buy a home, but your credit's not high enough, um, renting with a company that reports to the credit reporting agencies, uh, can be a huge help. Um, the cons is there are some upfront costs, um, like the deposits, um, first and last month's rent, things like that. Um, the big one is, is there's no equity. You're not going to um, gain anything. You're paying somebody else's mortgage when you rent. Um, lifestyle limitations. So you may be in a position where you can't have pets. Um, you're, you might be in a position where you can't uh, afford enough space for, for children. Um, you can't really change the design. You might have to go outside to smoke or, or vape, um, things like that, that can cramp your lifestyle. Um, you can't alter the home. There's less predictability, uh, in your housing expense, because if you have a fixed rate mortgage, um, the only thing that tends that will change in your payments each month are going to be your, um, uh, and, and it won't change monthly. It'll change probably annually is actually your, your property taxes. Um, but with renting, you can, um, have renting, uh, cost increases, Every so often, often, I mean, they could even do it every 90 days, but you would have to be um, notified in advance 
and uh, there's rules about not breaking contracts. Um, so if you're in a lease, you at least have a little predictability for the length of that lease. There's rules specific to each state. So I'm not going to get into details on that, but it's less predictable in that somebody else is picking a number and telling you to pay it um, as a form of rent. And then you could have a sense of loss when the term is up, when you leave that place, because if you've had uh, major life events there, um, brought children home, things like that, um, there could be that, that personal um, sense of loss in your, in your heart. Um, pros and cons of buying. Pro is you get the security and privacy. Um, of being in your own home, you can alter it to your liking. You you think about all the, the remodel shows that are on uh, Discovery Plus now and kind of get that, that urge to go in and paint a wall or something. And you can't do that in most rentals. Um, there's pretty limited rest restrictions when it comes to buying unless you buy in an HOA, um, which is a... a homeowners association, they may have restrictions on what you do in your yard, what color your house is painted, things like that. But you know that before you get it, before you purchase the home. You get equity. When you are buying a home, you build equity as you pay the home off. And then you also have tax advantages. Cons of buying a home is that there's less liquidity. You don't have that cash on hand. You could have on hand when you um, are renting because it's tied up in the mortgage. Um, there's less mobility. You can't, it's a lot harder to just get up and move to a different state because you need to buy your home. You can't just put in a 30 day notice uh, to your landlord and go, okay, I'm out. It's a little more um, complex. There's a large financial obligation, long-term debt, a larger upfront costs than when you rent um, because you have your closing costs, uh, earnest money, realtor fees, things like that. Um, and then you can have large annual expenses um, because you are responsible for repairs and maintenance. So that might be painting your house. That might be um, replacing the refrigerator. That might be replacing the roof, you know, um, that there's any number of different repairs that, that can happen. Um, I highly recommend that if you own a home and you don't have a repairs fund in your budget that you add that. So then you're not caught um, where you have to spend $20,000 for a new roof and you can't afford it. Um, that's just my little side tip there. So um there's lots and lots and lots of different types of homes that exist um, that you can either purchase or rent. And so really it comes down to what are you looking for and what's the best resources for you to get there. So some of the types of homes that, that you could live in um, are single family homes. That's just a standalone home that is either previously owned uh, or, or a new track home or custom. Um, you could live in a multi-unit. So that might be um, a townhouse. That might be a condo. That might be a, uh, an apartment um, or loft. Um, you could live in a mobile or modular uh, park home. Um, 
community or individually. So like my house is on 12 acres. It's a mobile home. My parents' house is a modular home on a quarter acre. Uh, when I lived in Salem, I lived in a mobile home park. Um, so mobile homes, the big trick with mobile and modular homes um, is that as they get older, uh, banks won't lend on them. So 1976, I believe, is the cutoff currently. If it's older than 1976, banks don't lend on them. And there's some rules that go along with mobile and modular homes. But I can tell you, I've lived in a mobile or modular home most of my life, and they're just as good as stick belts, um, except for when it comes to equity. Um, banks will always give more equity to a stick belt house. Um, cooperative housing is another great way to do it. Uh, we'll talk about this more in the generational episode, but cooperative housing might be you, uh, your grandparents, your parents, and your sister and brother all living in um, a, a group either on the same property tax lot or in very close proximity. Um, it might be you and some friends living together in the same house. It might be um, uh, you and, and other people in the co-op. I will also put a link in for a TED talk that a lady did where she lives in a co-op uh, housing group and she um, talks about how it works for her family. Um, and then another one that I threw in here um, because of the Zach uh, TED talk that I referenced earlier is tiny homes. Um, tiny homes is, are becoming a really big um, movement, not only to create affordable housing for people, but to create home ownership with mobility and to reduce debt loads. Um, so they, they're another great alternative uh, if you're willing to Minimalize, and that doesn't have to be an all or nothing situation. If you want to learn more about minimalizing, go back to my minimalizing episode, which I believe is episode like two. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, so why could someone choose to rent? So it could be their stage of life. Uh, are they in college? Um, I rented when I was in college. Uh, I rented when my job moved me six times in five years. I wasn't going to buy a house. They're just going to move me again in seven, eight months. Um, you might also want to rent if you're in a position where it's hard for you to say, take care of a lawn, or you don't want to take care of a lawn. Um, and you want to be in a position where somebody else does that for you. Um, you might want to rent if you have fewer financial resources. So maybe you don't have a big block of cash to be able to play, pay closing fees to get into a home. Um, something might be keeping you from buying. It could be financial. It could be the mobility aspect. Um, and by financial, I mean, no credit, bad credit, no down payment. There are some, uh, really cool programs about that. Um, but, um, talking to a mortgage broker is the best option for, um, learning your financial abilities, uh, when choosing to rent or buy. Um, other things that you can look at when you're choosing to rent a home is the location, um, the terms of the lease, if it's month to month, or if it's a one or two or five year lease, um, the personal taste, if you have pets, maybe your family size, what you can afford, 
Um, your intended use, I throw that one in there because some places uh, have clauses about being able to run a small business out of a rental. So you'll want to check that. Um, you might choose a home to rent versus an apartment uh, if you want a little more privacy. Uh, also the number of bedrooms and bathrooms. And some of these uh, will relate back to things to consider when choosing to purchase a home, but it's still uh, something to look at either, either way. Uh, also looking at choosing to uh, rent, you might need to look at the size of the house. You might need to look at um, what the most important rooms are. Maybe you end up not having a office because you want a dining room more or something like that. Um, if you have a need for parking or a garage or storage space, um, you might need to look at if, if the place that you're looking at rent has those accessible to you, if you're going to have to buy a parking pass, if you're going to have to do to pay for an offsite uh, storage unit, um, disability accommodations, it's not going to work very well if you live in an apartment complex with no, um, with no elevators on the third floor if you can't walk upstairs very well. So looking at what accommodations they have available for you, what kind of outside space you want, and then the proximity to the things that you do every day, like uh, work, school, shopping, family and friends, stuff like that. Um, so moving on to why you might choose to purchase a home, uh, your stage of life might be a, a reason. You want the security, you want that ownership asset um, to create an asset in general. Um, and then something could be keeping you from renting. So just like something could be keeping you from purchasing, something could be keeping you from renting. Like maybe you have several pets. Um, maybe you want to make modifications um, to your home. Maybe you have an in-home business uh, that you can't uh, run out of a rental. Maybe it's your background. Maybe there's something in your background that's going to prevent you from being able to, um, to rent a home, uh, as easily potentially an arrest or something like that. Um, so when you, are considering purchase a, purchasing a home, things that you might look at are um, location, the terms of the loan, how long is the loan um, going to be, for example, what are the rates? Is it a fixed rate or a uh, adjustable rate? What are your personal tastes? Um, your age, the reason I say age is, uh, for example, uh, my in-laws moved a couple of years ago because they lived in a split level 1950s home and they're in their 70s and going all up and down those stairs was getting really hard on them. Um, the size of your family might adjust that. If you, if you are now empty nesters, you might want to downsize. If you are, um, if you have a growing family, you might want to upgrade. Uh, what's your future going to look like in 15? I wrote 15 to 30 years, but there's even some places doing 40 year mortgages now that might make a big difference in how you want to um, purchase or if you want to purchase a home. What can you afford? Um, for example, when my husband and I were first looking at buying a home, we could have afforded a home. It just wasn't what we wanted, so we waited and we rented a little longer in an effort to get more of what we wanted on the first time around. Um, our intended use, again, if you're going to run a business or something like that, 
Um, how much privacy you want. If you want more privacy, you might be a little bit out in the country versus wanting a little more community. You might be in a condo complex or townhouse. Um, the size of the home, numbers of bedrooms and bathrooms. Um, what are your most important rooms? Again, um, if, if you want an office and a dining room table, you might need to pick um, a house that's got an extra bedroom. So you can make an office, for example. Do you need or want a garage, a parking space, um, extra space, storage space? Uh, again, with the disability uh, accommodations, if you're in a situation where you need a ramp, is your place suitable? Is the place that you're looking at suitable for that? Is there enough room for a ramp, ramp, things like that? What's your outside space look like? Is it an enclosed yard? Uh, is there a patio or a deck that you want? Um, something to consider in many states when you own a home is the efficiency uh, energy efficiency and other green features that could exist um, that can get you other tax rebates and help you to um, reduce your carbon footprint uh, and follow along with your goals. Uh, if your goals are uh, environmentally friendly, you would have more control over that. And then again, that proximate, the proximity to work and shopping and friends um, and family so I, I've given you a lot of statistics and lists in this particular episode, but it was really about helping you to think about what you do and do not want in a home, whether you own it or rent it, and what's going to best fit your needs based upon what you want and where you are financially, where you are um, geographically, where you are um, with your personal situation. So while I gave you a lot of lists and a lot of statistics, each one of those are in a, um, uh, are in the show notes for you. Um, both the statistic articles that I, both the articles that I got the statistics from, as well as a um, slideshow um, that you have viewable access to and shareable access um, for you to think about um, what is going to work best for you renting or purchasing, and a couple of resources on um, to really get you thinking if you think that the white picket fence might not be what you want in your American dream. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Wanting to Wealthy podcast. I would love to continue the conversation on Instagram at Wanting to Wealthy. Please DM me with comments, questions, and future podcast ideas. If you found value in the podcast and think of someone who would feel the same way, please share it with them. Until next time.